Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Angelie Pascal. Angelie is the author of Stay, Discovering Grace, Freedom, and Wholeness Where You Never Imagined Looking. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Hello, Angelie. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Oh, hi, Rachel. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on. You are the founder of the Moms We Love Club. So, you know, everybody likes a good club. So we tell us, <laughs> what is this club? Yay! Is something we can be a part of? Oh, my goodness. I would love for you to be a part of it. And, and that's the thing. I think that word club it really, it kind of triggers something like we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so really the Moms We Love Club is what I, a social media campaign to bring prayer and love and support to a mom enduring long-term hardship. And what this really started for me is like, do you ever have that sense of when you know God is like tapping your heart, like Mm. you need to do something you need to yeah. do something. So, you know, I came across this story, um, I think it was on Facebook back in the day, where, you know, a mom, there was a GoFundMe for a mom who had really one of the most horrific conditions I had ever read about. Her name was Lindsay, and she had, well, she was diagnosed with something called uh, chronic migrainosis. Have you, uh, if you've ever had a migraine, no. Rachel, I don't know. If, no, I mean, imagine no. the worst headache of your life, you know? Yeah. And, and she has this 23 hours a day and oh. it, there's no cure for it. Um, it's basically living like in a prison cell. She lives in a room in her house. Her husband, you know, the whole story was, you know, she has a child. Her husband has to carry her to the shower, brush her teeth. I mean, it's just, it's just pain. It's just constant pain. And it broke my heart. And I kept thinking like, man, like, what can I do for her? Like, wh- like, this is not fair, but I mean, I, I, there has to be something. So I laid on this question for a year, Rachel, what do I do for Lindsay? Um, I can't take her a meal. I can't clean her house. I can't pick up her kid from school. You know, I don't even know her. Um, and I felt like, okay, I have this, I'm on Instagram all the time as many moms are. It's a place where we connect with other people. And so I thought, well, what if I just start a feed where everyone can repost a picture of Lindsay and in the process, we can pray for her and raise some money for her. And so I did. I invited people to what is called the Moms We Love Club. And that first campaign for Lindsay, we raised about, oh, I think it was $16,000. And it was incredible because, you know, when you're scrolling through Instagram and you just see a picture that captures you, right? You lean in, you like kind of try and figure out what's going on. And that's what people did when they saw Lindsay's picture and they reposted it and they shared it and prayed for her and we raised money. And, you know, I honestly thought like, okay, my job is done. Like I supported Lindsay. I'm good. And God was like, no, every month for the last two years, he keeps bringing the next mom to serve and love and I mean, in the past two years of running this feed, we've raised over $200,000 for moms. And it's oh, just by incredible. posting a picture. Like, it's that simple. You just post a picture. It takes 10 seconds. Mm. So, 
So we can, yes, I absolutely want to follow this. I had no idea, honestly, what that was. And, yeah. You know, and, and this is the second season of the love offering. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we do, we think of the things that we can do for the people that are right next door to us. Like you mentioned, take her a meal or go to the grocery for her or, you know, whatever, but never have uh, heard of anybody doing what you're doing. And what a great way to offer our love to someone else oh my goodness Um, that is easy like you said and it takes right it takes 10 seconds and I think the power that I that I see God doing Rachel is that these are moms who are not going to get better we support Mm -hmm. their husband their widows their kids have cancer that's not gonna get better in the next five months and so what I see happening regularly is when trauma hits the response by the community is incredible it really is people rise up they support them but you know what starts to happen is when that situation can't be fixed or can't be better people start to forget about that mom and it's not intentional it's not to be mean but i think we as human beings we like to see results We don't want to stay with long suffering because it's hard. And so the moms we really try and support are moms who have been in this for, oh, five years, 10 years, 20 years of my husband has a brain, has brain damage and can't even talk or walk, but she's been in it with them. You know, the situation isn't changing. And so the idea of even posting a picture is, hey, we still see you. We are not forgetting about you and God hasn't forgotten you. So how, how do you find these women? Is, can somebody nominate? Yes, them or, absolutely. Yeah. So we support moms who are sick themselves. Their spouse is sick or their child is sick. So go to the moms. We love club.com. There is an application and you can fill it out. And if we, I mean, we have a long waiting list, but these moms need help from now and for the next year. So, you know, we're not, we're, we don't try and we don't turn people away unless there's specific reasons why we don't think they would fit for the specific campaign. But we want to support and love moms who are in the dark. Mm, what a terrific love offering. One that I can get behind for sure. Oh, thank you, Rachel. Thanks. Well, so, so on another sort of place to belong, <laughs> you're also a contributing writer for Encourage, yeah. which I love that community. Me too. So, so what, what does this Encourage community, what has it meant to you? It's the most lovely group of women I could have ever dreamed to write with or work with. Uh, we got together last summer and we spent a couple days together and Truly, it was like meeting soul sisters. I mean, women who love Jesus and want to use their gift of words to invite others into deeper intimacy with him. And so, I mean, I I, I, genuinely, it was just these, what you see of women uh, who write and encourage who they are in real life is exactly the same. And so it's been a huge blessing to me to have Um, you know, writing can be a very lonely work and to have other women who I'm linking arms with to write and share the love of God with. It's just, it's so powerful. Yeah. Well, something that I really have, I follow you just via social media. This is the first time we've been able to actually talk in person, but one of the things that I've noticed about you that I love so much about you is how transparent 
you are. Yeah. Like, um, and if everybody, all you listeners go and follow Angelie, but she, you <laughs> ad- regularly admit that you're like frequently late. You wrestle with guilt. You lose things. Um, you know, you post pictures of you and your jammies like when <laughs> kids are sick, you know. So I, I'm interested to hear at, at what point in your life did you become okay with uh, your mess? That's, I, you know, I talk about this and, and it's interesting because I think I spent, oh, most of my life hiding, most of my life afraid of my mess or afraid of who I was. And I just, um, and I think with all kinds of vulnerability, I don't think it's just this moment where you're like, okay, today I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to forget all of the, the other ways I've chosen to live. It just doesn't work like that. I think vulnerability is, is, um, it's who you are. We are humans and we are vulnerable and we have come up with so many strategies to protect our vulnerability. Um, and I think it's slow, courageous steps in speaking the truth of your heart and it's surrounding yourself and finding those people who when you, when you speak and your voice shakes and the tears are falling and you open up the darkest closets in your soul and they choose to stay with you and love you, that gives you courage the next day to speak again and again and again. And so I would say there was a, a few significant people in my life who um, who I opened the closet with and they saw what I thought they would see and I thought they'd run away and be like, go away, I, I hate you because <laughs> I hated yeah. myself, you know? Mm-hmm. I could barely stay with myself. How could anyone else stay with me? And so as I took those small courageous steps, um, it kind of opened the, imagine a dark room where you open the curtains, like the light slowly pours in and you gain courage, but it's, um, it's really finding those safe people and trusting that God is a safe God, um, where you can choose to turn on the lights, you know? Yeah. Well, you mentioned the word stay several times just then. And so you've actually written a book titled stay and it's, it's for anyone who longs for a connection with God and his people, but can't seem to escape the haunting feelings of guilt, shame, loneliness, and fear. So I'm I'm guessing that you have experienced these feelings and um, I'd love to hear maybe a little bit about that, but, but also to take that forward to our listeners, if they are experiencing some sort of pain, how do we stop running? Yeah. You know, I think, one of the most important things is that sometimes we take uh, we take it on ourselves to make life happen. And I think we have to remember, first and foremost, before anything, Rachel, is God is pursuing your heart. Like your deep down, no one else knows soul secrets. Like God is after your secrets. And so always always he's pursuing the true Rachel, the true me, like he is after us. And so a lot of staying is acknowledging like that's, that's what God is already doing. But I, I mean, I think with stay, um, 
it is really starting to identify the places in your soul and in your heart where you are resistant to being. Mm -hmm. And so as I say that, um, sometimes I imagine, yeah, I, I invite women, imagine you have a highlighter in your life, in your hand, and you highlight those places right now where you are resistant to being. And some are small. Some are just small things like, you know, Rachel, what do you have to do today, right? Your kids are at home and you have to take care of them. And there's things you really just don't want to do. Like, and I think it, those small places where you're resisting, a good question to ask is, what are you irritated about right now? Mm-hmm. And you know, right, as I say that, it's coming to your mind. Like, oh, yeah. I'm so irritated with my husband that he left his whatever. You know, you know. And so starting to identify the places of resistance. And then, so those are small things. And then there's some bigger things in our lives where we are resistant to staying. And get that highlighter out. Okay, what are those? And, and, and some of those are money, like a little bit bigger, like, whoa, I, I got my, uh, the other day I got a, you know, you, you get an envelope in the mail from your bank and it's like, Ooh, I don't want to open that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see how much is in there or how much is not in my bank account right now. And so what do we do? We, we hide the mail <laughs> or we, <laughs> or we just pretend we'll, we'll put it in the mm-hmm. office under all the other mail. We'll look at it later, you know? Mm-hmm later might not ever come for many of us or there's relationships you know you see someone at target and you don't you want to hide you know have you ever done that you see someone it's like oh yes. if i go over this side maybe they don't see me you know especially if i don't have my makeup on yeah. and I my workout clothes, but yeah. right yeah or you yeah. know you're scrolling through social media and you instantly get angry and so this is these are these highlight the places you highlight where are you resistant to being, to feeling. And then there's larger things like trauma. And this is one I I so want to speak to the heart of women. Trauma is a huge, every single person has trauma. And there's big trauma and there's little trauma, but there is trauma. And if I say that word again, it's like you, something will come to your mind right now. Cause you know, you know, your trauma. And we dismiss our trauma because it's not like, well, I haven't had a child die or I wasn't in war. So we dismiss our trauma. But we have little, we have trauma in our lives that we have never given credit to. And we never acknowledge because it's not, we, we, it's, the trauma is not worthy of being called trauma, you know. Right. But there's trauma. You think about, it, you, trauma is changing drop, jobs. There's trauma in even having a child. There's trauma in the way a neighbor treated you as, a, as when you were young or the bully at school or the friend that walked away, you know? So what I want to say, like how we start identifying how to stay is where are you, what are you resisting in your life right now? Because that is exactly the place where Jesus is inviting you to stay. And we have these temptations and we have these strategies where the moment we that you know, think about that bank that that letter from your bank you know the moment you see it we want to hide cover run avoid fix and that space that precious space is an invitation that god is giving us to stay with him because he's already staying with us there mm-hmm. oh okay okay rachel 
when you see that bank statement, oh, you're afraid that I'm not going to provide for you, that you are responsible to make things happen or you are responsible to make, meet the needs of your family. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So this, again, draws us into a deeper relationship and intimacy with Christ as we learn to stay. Yeah. Well, you, you say that grace, freedom, and wholeness can be discovered where we never imagined to look. Yeah. So why do you think we don't look? I don't know. I mean, I, I assume you're talking about the Lord. Are you that that's where we're supposed to look or or in the, or in this darkness or in this place of of hurt is where we're looking? Yeah. Well, OK, let's go back to this example of your own. I mean, tell me if you've had the experience like this where you're scrolling through social media and you instantly get jealous. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And so that that moment if you stay with that jealousy and you stay and you open your heart to Jesus, what will you experience? And what I have found God doing as we stay with those places where we want to run like jealousy in that moment, as we're scrolling through social media is that we enter deeper intimacy with Christ. And it becomes that prayer life, that conversation of, of, if you're honest, okay, God, I want her story. I want her house. I want her kids. I want her husband. And I'm jealous. And so how does God show up for you in that moment as you stay with him? And what happens is God is who he says he is and he's good and he's gracious. And he meets us in that moment of, oh, but Angela, I have given you your story because you are worthy to carry this story. I've given you your husband because I want you to learn how much I love you. I've given you your children specifically because I made them for you and you for them. And it's hard. And how do we have compassion and love for that other girl that we're actually jealous of? How do we pray for her and God bless her, change me. And so in that space, it's almost like the liminal space right there is, where you start to experience love because God loves us in our places of greatest shame and guilt. What role does grace play in this whole process? Grace is everything, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think grace plays a huge role because, well, grace is getting something you don't deserve. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, in that moment, right, let's go back to that girl on social media that we're jealous of in that moment. Um, God could come down and be like, how dare, like, how dare you? You're so ungrateful. You don't even care about what I've already given you. You know, there could be mm-hmm. condemnation, but that's not the kind of God we serve and who loves us. God is the God who, and this image I love to talk about in the book is, is the table of your soul. God is at the table of your soul and he pulls out a chair. That, that's grace. Grace pulls out a chair and says, Rachel, stay. I want to stay with you where your heart really is and where your heart really is, is it's filled with ungratitude. Let's talk about that. That's grace. Cause I mean, if we flipped it around, right. With our kids, I mean, this is for me. It's so often I'm like, that's my temptation. You are so ungrateful. I just got you. I just bought you a shirt yesterday. Now you want to dare you, you know, but, but what love is, Oh, when my kid keeps coming back asking for more, 
oh, Grace would say, oh, well, let's talk about that. Mm. Well, let's, let's look at what you have and why you have it, you know? So, yeah, I, don't, I think grace is huge. And I think mm. we have a very hard time receiving grace. And I think we have a very hard time giving grace. Yeah. I love the picture of sitting at the table with the Lord. Right. <laughs> let's talk about this. Let's talk yeah, about what it. A, what a beautiful picture. Well, so what would you say about, I guess, how has the practice of staying resulted in freedom for your own soul? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I would say it takes me back to an experience I had in my mid-20s. Uh, and this is a lot of what uh, this moment in my life birthed a lot of my book. Um, and I was in seminary. I was working in a church. And I was on my way to um, doing full, full-time ministry. And I was, you know, I remember studying, right? So I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, right, as a Christian, and I'm even like a great Christian, right? Because I'm in seminary now. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. sense my sarcasm there. Um, and I remember feeling absolutely miserable. I, when I prayed, it felt like eating cotton. Like my prayers were painful. Reading the Bible was painful. Serving was, it was boring. Um, and every, I was doing all the right things. But I was really, really miserable inside. I was angry. I was, um, you know, in a lot of tangled relationships. And I remember thinking, Some, this cannot be right. Like, something is not right here. I know everything, but my life is a disaster. And at that point, I had the opportunity to go on a three-week isolated retreat. And so I went to this little cabin in the middle of nowhere and I couldn't take a phone or books or anything. It was, it was really an isolated retreat. And um, I remember walking into that moment thinking, if this doesn't work, right, if I am going to basically stay, right, I'm staying with everything. I'm letting every secret, I'm, I'm going to fight every demon. I'm going into the battlefield of my soul. And if this doesn't work, if God doesn't show up, like I'm out. Like I'm leaving Christianity. I, I mean, I've contemplated suicide. I was just done. And so I walked in that cabin and as I stayed and so what I would do, I, was, I would meet with a counselor for one hour every day for 21 days. And um, as I stayed, oh, Rachel, God showed up and mm. um, I dealt with it. I dealt with my demons and the darkest thoughts, the darkest feelings, the greatest shame, the guilt I had been just wrestling with my entire life. And I remember my very last day there. And when I went in day one, I was a tangled mess. And when I sat there the last day, day 21, I'd never experienced so much freedom in my life. It was this freedom where you breathe and it feels effortless. And so the power of staying and staying with Jesus, I just, I just don't think there's another way to freedom than to yeah. stay with God as he stays with you. 
Wow. What an experience. I, I, I feel like I need 21 days. I know. Alone with the Lord too. <laughs> How do I get that again? Because I did it before kids. right? I, take me back. Take, take me, me back. back. Well, so sort of referring again to the tagline of your book, you say that you suggest it's possible to discover wholeness. And I love that word and the idea behind that word. So I guess what does wholeness look like here on earth? Yeah. And how do we obtain it? It's a great question. It's a great question. I think here, I think a, a good place to start is, do you feel disconnected? Um, is your outside life and your inside world different? Mm. And, yeah, and there's a lot of contem- <laughs> There's a lot of evaluation here. You, you're, you go deep, but I love it. I love it. And I think that, I think we know, I think many of us can answer that question really fast. Yeah. Like who I'm presenting to others, who I'm with, with, the people at church or the people at school, the people at work versus who I am when no one is watching are those different people. If your answer is yes, then I want to say to you 100% wholeness is possible. And actually God is on a mission and pursuing wholeness happening in your life, making the outside person and inside person become the same person. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is the power and the invitation to stay with those places where you are resistant to being. Mm -hmm. So it's letting the outside people come on the inside and letting who you are on the inside come to the outside. And there's this um, intersection where your voice intersects with the voice of God and intersects with the voice of others. That's wholeness. Mm. And I, go ahead. No, I just, I was going to follow that up with something else, but I don't want to cut you off. No, I just think that is really, and and it's vulnerable. Oh my goodness, Rachel, right? Vulnerability is, it's hard. It's terrifying because if we're so, we're running away from ourselves all the time. We don't want to encounter. We don't want to feel that the real self, we don't want to feel her. We don't like her most of the time. She's embarrassing, you know? And so the brave, courageous steps to invite even your husband, even your best friend into that and hold that space um, open for them to see. It's scary, but there's no other way to wholeness. There's no other way to love than through that. Well, so that segues really well to actually what I was getting ready to say. So when, when you've finally find the courage, I guess, to stay. And you say that you discovered the love of God in the middle of your messy story. So how do you suggest that we move past knowing that God loves us in our heads to believing it with our whole hearts? It's very hard to experience that if you've never experienced with it with a human. Right. So where God talks about how can you love me if you've never loved your brother who you can't see, who you can see, you can't see me. Mm -hmm. And so um, part of that journey, really, to know the love of God and experience the love of God in your heart is allowing the people that God has placed into your life, those close people 
or people who are, maybe you don't have someone close to you. It's taking the courage to say, Hey, this is, this is what's really going on. I really hate being a stay at home mom. I really feel dirty all the time. I feel so lonely that if I started to talk about it, I might not ever stop crying and letting people into that really vulnerable place. And as those people love you and stay with you, then we can start to believe that the God of the universe loves and stay with you, stays with you. And not only does that, but has brought these specific people into your life to show you that with real hands and real feet. Yeah. Well, so sort of applying this to our relationships, this concept, how does this knowledge that you've learned to stay in, in the midst of all of the aches and disappointment and all of the things, how does that affect your marriage relationship? I would say it's huge with marriage and parenting and relationships, because this is, this is the thing we want. We are very selfish beings, you know, if we're very honest, we want yeah. comfort. We want love. We want everything and we, it's very hard for us to sacrifice anything. So um, I think with our relationships, can we stay with people as they are, not what they will do for us or give us or be for us? So can we love our kids for the mess and brokenness that they are every single day? And it's much easier (laughs) for me to think, well, I'll love, I mean, I think there's a general, of course we love our kids. That's not the question. I think it's more of like, wow, um, the action of every day staying with people as they are is an act of love, not giving more generous love when they do what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I had a great conversation with a gal last week whose, um, whose son just dropped out of college and, you know, that was hard for her. He doesn't, you know, didn't want to pursue the college road. And so it was really hard because that triggered all kinds of things for her. Well, what would she tell her friends and what will people think about her and what would people say? Because, you know, she homeschooled her her son all the way. And now the one thing she invested her life in, he's now kind of rejecting education. And so, wow, can we love our child when they don't do what we think they should do? Or even can we love our husband when even their actions can negatively affect us? Can we stay with them in the middle of that? And a lot of times the answer is no, that's really hard. I don't want to do that. I want you to do what I want you to do because it's right. better for me. And so it is a real act of love and sacrifice, sacrificial love to say, I'll love you through that. I'll stay with you through that, even though it absolutely like rips my heart apart. Even though I want you to go to college and grad school and get the best career you can have. You know? Okay. Okay. I'll love you then. I'll love you still. I'll stay with you there through your addiction through it. I mean, on, I mean, honestly, the other day, my, one of my kids for the first time, you know, screamed from his room. I hate you. Wow. 
man, I just cried in my closet. Like I cried. Yeah. But can I go down there and still sit beside him? Like, no, I mean, temp- I'm tempted to run down there and be like, how dare you hate me? Like I birthed <laughs> you into this world. Right. Right. You know, but it takes everything in me to, okay, I can understand you're angry. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those wow. are just, it's just, it's hard to stay with people as they are, isn't it? It is. Well, and, and so I, I guess I'm interested in hearing, and actually I ask every, this season, I'm asking all of my guests this question, but I feel like it goes really re- well with our discussion. Who, who has modeled this kind of behavior for you? Like who, who has loved you well and how have they stayed and loved you well? You know, um, well, I've had some really, I've been really blessed with some really amazing people in my life. The first obvious first person, of course, that comes to my mind is my mom. And she is an incredible human being. And I think really the story that always comes to mind with her loving me as I am is this the story. I was probably right kind of the age of our kids, like nine, ten. And um I would we would have these special like tea parties sometimes and these dishes that were special, you know, like the special dish. Did you guys have a special dish? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the China. yeah. Yeah. The special yeah. dish. And I remember, you know, we take it down every once in a while. And I remember after um, one of these times she was in her office just next to the kitchen and I was doing the dishes and the, the dish slipped through my plate, my hands and cracked, you know, all over the sink and it was loud. Mm-hmm. And the first thing my mom said from the other room was, I love you more than that dish. Oh. Right. And my mom, she has taught me about this idea of love moments. Because in that moment, I mean, I even do this with my kids and it's so hard. It's like, I want to walk in there and and make it a teaching moment. Like, I told you, when you wash the dishes, you need to dry your hands before you hold this, you know? Or... Oh, like, hon, you know, these are our best dishes. I wish you were more careful. You know, there's shame. That's shame. Yeah. And, but my mom always, always, always made things about love moments. And so she would say again and again and again. I mean, I broke a lot of dishes. And she would say, I would scream from the other side of the house. I love you more than that dish. Hmm. And so I just hope and pray I can offer that to other people. These love moments, not teaching or should moments, but I love you anyway. Mm, so, so good. So good. I know. So good. So uh, if, if the woman listening today, say she's struggling in whatever her struggle may be today. How, how, how do we love her well and encourage her to stay? Mm, so good. Um, if I could look at her face to face, I think I would invite her to identify the place or places in her life where she is resistant to staying the small things, the bigger things, the large things and get that highlighter out. And as she's highlighting it, she doesn't have to fix it. She doesn't have to um, run away or hide it, but just highlight it and hold it. Like God, you are here. You're here with my jealousy. You're here with my fear. You're here with my longings and loneliness. And 
just allow herself the courage to stay with those places that are the true places in her heart and invite Jesus to be with her there. And really to find that Jesus is the one inviting her into his heart to stay with him. Mm, yeah. Well, so Angelie, how can we stay connected to that. you? That was a silly like pun, it. but I, I, I had like to. It. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I would love for you. Um, I would love to stay connected with you. I'm really on social media. I call it the modern day well for women. That's how we connect. That's how we encourage. That's how we love one another. Um, so I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. You can follow lovealways.angeli or the Moms We Love Club. Um, and you can pick up my book. It'll be on book uh, bookshelves in Target. It'll be in Barnes & Noble. It's on Amazon. It'll be out um, March 31st. Oh, that's so exciting. And thank you so much for being my guest today, Angelie. I, I just appreciate you giving us all the courage to stay and to believe in God's love for us in our heads and our hearts, no matter what our circumstance looks yes. like. God bless you. Bless you. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Angelie. I hope that you have learned to be okay with your mess and to stop running from your pain and instead run straight to Christ and find true intimacy with Him. If you're interested in today's show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams Author on Facebook or on Instagram, or you can have them sent directly to your inbox by going to rachelkadams.com. Next week, my guest is Abby McDonald. Abby is the author of Shift. Y'all, when I first saw her book release, I knew I needed to have her on the show. We recorded during the coronavirus quarantine, which obviously is still going on. And, and I, for one, needed a shift in my perspective. And I have a feeling that you do too. And so Abby is teaching us how to, regardless of what our circumstances look like, that we can believe that we can see God in our lives right here and right now. So I can't wait for you to tune in again next week. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope you have a wonderful week. And until then, until we meet again, as always, remember to lead with love. Thank you.